welcome. If you don't know me, my name is Mark, and I apologize. Um, let me just say this. The first service was a total and complete train wreck. Pretty much, I mean, well, I mean well, how would you describe it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was bad. I mean, um, I was just, I was undone the whole time. Like, so three, three families here, beautiful, didn't bother me a bit. There were three families in the first service. One of them happened to be mine. And so baby Cole with his big fat cheeks was here. And Tim and Leanne, a lot of you don't know this, okay? Um, Kenzie's parents, Cody's wife, Kenzie. See, Kenzie usually sits there. She sings. Cody's there. He's mine. Kenzie's parents are Tim and Leanne Parker. And Tim Parker was the guy that called me 21 years ago um, and said, hey, would you be interested in coming to a church in Tennessee? I was in Texas at the time, okay? And so, so Tim sang at my wedding, that lifelong family friends. Tim and Leanne came down to Texas for our wedding. So a lot of history. And so um, Tim and Leanne were there. He had no idea when he called me that my son was going to marry his daughter and he would be linked with us forever. Or else he probably wouldn't have called, right? Amen to that. And so, but that's how God worked it out. And so... Tim and Leanne, Tim pastors a church across town. He's been planting churches pretty much his whole life. And, and to have him and Leanne here with us this morning, and Leanne started praying over baby Cole, and then Tim prayed, and it was like uh, I was undone for the rest of the time. And so blubbered through the whole sermon. I have no idea what I said. You're going to get it this time, though, because I'm not crying, Okay. I got my big boy pants on, and we're going to bring it. Okay, were you ready? If you have your Bible, we're going to be in Acts 27 this morning. Um, we're continuing our, our series called We Greater Than Me. And this one's kind of weird, but it's kind of... Okay, this is... Go to the end, okay, so you don't have to be surprised. I'm going to talk about storms and not going through them alone, okay? We need each other. Can we just agree that you are not all that. You're not as strong as you think you are. You don't have things under control like you think you do. These, these things are true, right? Maybe you think you have it together, but God has a way, doesn't he, of just bringing us to the point, realizing that I'm not in control of very much, okay? So one of my favorite things to do is when a rain's coming in, I have this great backyard. If you've been to my house, I mean, even if you don't like my house, you would agree that my backyard is awesome. Right, Mike Hamlin? I mean, it's just a nice place, okay? Um, it's the only reason we bought the house. Everything else we've changed, or in the process of changing, but the backyard is beautiful. It sits on the ridge right above Beaverbrook over there, and so when the rain comes in, a storm comes in, it's just the best place to sit is right by my back door and to just watch it come in. And it's one of my favorite things to do. And I'll do it until it's not safe anymore. You know, because when a storm really comes in and you realize, oh, the, the thunder is popping, the lightning's cracking, you realize, oh, these trees could fall. Maybe not the best place to be. 
okay? Was anybody awake Tuesday morning, by the way? Tuesday morning, about 5 o'clock. I mean, I am 55 years old, and I've been through hurricanes many times, and I've never heard thunder and lightning like it was Tuesday morning. It was like that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. And in the midst of something like that, you realize, oh, this isn't just rain. This is something that's out of control. And when you find yourself in the midst of something that's out of control, you realize how small you are. How, how, re- how you are not as self-reliant as you think you are. There's no, I mean, that storm was so fierce. Imagine being out in that and, tr- and f- trying to figure out, okay, what am I supposed to do? There is one who's in control of this stuff. There is one that speaks peace over that stuff that can calm it in an instant. And he's in control of all of that. And we're not. Um, I remember there are a lot of storm stories in my life. I remember being on the lake with my, with my dad. Happy Mother's Day, everybody, by the way. Mom, if you're watching, in case I don't call later, happy Mother's Day. Cards in the mail. Okay, anyway, I remember being, my dad was a, a huge fisherman. And he had this little blue boat. It was a Skeeter Metro with a 50 horsepower Mercury on it. He was so proud of this thing. He could catch 50 fish from the front of the boat. I catch zero fish from the back of the boat. That's how it went, okay? And he would not stop fishing for anything. And I remember being on Toledo Bend Lake, which is in southeast Texas. It's not like a lake here. Like, lakes here are not really lakes. You know that? They're like valleys that have been flooded. In Texas, lakes are like little oceans. They're just huge, vast. And I remember being out on that lake with my dad, and the storm's coming in. And I'm thinking, why are we not leaving? It's because the fish were still biting, okay? Not for me. But for him, and I remember driving across the Sea of Galilee, it felt like, in this boat with just jumping waves thinking, I'm never going to see my mom again. It's like, but my dad was fine. I was totally terrified. I remember being in Haiti during a hurricane. We had taken the elders there. Um, This is one of our, not our first trips, but early on, okay? And so we had taken, Johnny Ray Stout was there, okay? And he kept asking this question, what time is it in Knoxville? The whole trip. Johnny Ray, it's the same time it is here. The whole trip. Right? What time is it in Knoxville? What time is it in Knoxville? And so, dude was so homesick, he was scared to death. We get caught in a hurricane. A hurricane comes in, we have no idea it's coming, and so they try to get us out of the country before the hurricane hits. And so we leave at like we're supposed to leave the next morning, but they, they, they make us leave at like midnight. And so we take off at midnight from Cochant, Haiti, down this, down this winding mountain road to find a mudslide has blocked the road, which most people would think mudslide means you go back where you came from, not in Haiti. In Haiti, they say, we're going to drive the Blancs. That's what they call white people. We're going to drive the Blancs through the mudslide. And so... In the midst of a hurricane, there's literally a mountain that has collapsed across the road. There are boulders falling down the mountain, coming across the road. As we're going through this, Haitians run out there and start moving rocks. And we start driving through a 
moving mud. You realize you're not in control of that. There was a guardrail out where all the, the, the mud had gone over the cliff, and we got literally, I was looking like this at moving dirt, going down a cliff thinking, Jesus, I thought I was on your team. We got through the other side of that mudslide, and you've never heard a bunch of white people shout louder, hallelujah, praise the Lord, than at a UT game probably 20 years ago. <laughs> Not any time lately. Storms make you feel small. They, they make you realize, I'm at the mercy of something much bigger myself. And you know, storms come in a lot of different shapes and sizes. They're not always weather. Um, my dad had cancer for 14 years. He died of esophageal cancer. Um, he died the day that we found out that we were pregnant with Kayla. Um, Kayla graduates today from college. I'm kind of still a mess. I'm not going to cry this time though. Okay. Big boy pants, big boy pants, big boy pants. Now, we found out the day my dad died after fighting cancer for 14 years that we were pregnant with Kayla, and she was a gift that kind of helped heal that wound. But have you, have you had somebody in your life that you just watched waste away? That, I mean, there's nothing you can do? Like, disease is an awful thing, isn't it? I mean, to watch someone you love suffer that's a storm, isn't it? And it's a storm that rattles our faith. It, it tries to take away the things that are most important by putting the things that are right in front of you, making them seem bigger than they are. I mean, um, the Stout family lost, lost Shirley, um, Pete and Johnny Ray's mom, Jane's mom, um, this week. She's a godly lady. She's with Jesus. She's not suffering right now, but it doesn't make it easy, does it? I mean... It's a, and she was sick for a while. And just, we all have them. You all have relationships like that. That storms test your faith, make you feel alone, make you want to question everything, right? Has anybody lived through 2020 and 2021? Are you familiar with a global pandemic that has changed the way we do everything about our lives, everything that used to be normal, not normal. If you try to be normal, oh, 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 no. You can't be normal. Isolation breeds desperation. And this whole last two years has isolated people in ways that I don't know that we'll understand the impact for generations. I mean, kids that have, hadn't been able to go to school, hadn't been able to be with their friends. I mean, churches can't get together. Small groups, non-existent because you can't be together. We're, we're getting back. We're climbing out of it. But there's going to be some collateral damage, don't you think? Of isolation, of just getting used to being alone. Maybe the worst part is some people have gotten used to being alone and have decided that they don't need people anymore. And that's not true. We, greater than me, we need each other. 
See, the severity of a storm, whatever it looks like, whether it's disease, a broken relationship, whatever the casualties are in your life that you still struggle with. And you know you have them. And so they might look different for all of you. It might be a day-to-day thing. It might, who knows? Whatever it is, it's a storm. But you know what? There's someone bigger than that storm. There's one that can speak peace over that storm. I think the first, I'm just going to give you three points. That's all I have, okay? The first point is this, that the severity of the storm, hopefully, if we're honest with ourselves, will force us to admit that we're not self-reliant, that we can't do it ourselves, that we need each other. We need, Lord, I need you. I need you. Every hour, I need you. Guys, that is not a place of weakness. It's a place of strength. When you come to the point of saying, okay, it's not me. God, I can't do this thing by myself. Will you you help me? Guys, that's the first step. The first step of weathering a storm is realizing you're not in control of it. That's the first thing. Um, I want to use... Acts 27, and I'm not going to read it. You know why I'm not going to read it? Because there's all kinds of words in it I couldn't pronounce in the first service. I mean, there were like 15 words I couldn't pronounce. So I'm going to tell you the story, okay? Acts chapter 27, and read it for yourself, and you try to pronounce the words, and then you talk to me about it, okay? But you read it for yourself. This is a story towards the end of Paul's life, okay? At the end of Paul's life... There's 28 chapters in the book of Acts, and then it just doesn't end. It's just like Paul's just like there. And so a lot of people say, well, the Acts of the Apostles are still ongoing because the the book doesn't end. It's you and me now, okay? But in Acts 27, Paul's an old man. He is at the end of his, towards the end of his life. He is still like, he's got the swag though. I mean, he, he is still sitting by the spout where the glory comes out. I mean, he knows exactly what he's doing. When he speaks, he speaks in the Spirit. He speaks with power. Things happen. The Jews still want to kill him. Okay, so they're making all these false accusations against him, a lot like they did against Jesus. And so Paul appeals to Caesar so he doesn't have to be tried by the Jews. And so because of this, they want to sail Paul, put him on a boat, take him from Jerusalem all the way to Italy, okay? It's late in the year. It's past sailing time. You shouldn't do this, okay? But they put him on this boat. And it's like if you got on a cruise ship last year, it would be just like that. Except there wouldn't be catering and stuff like that. But, I mean, it was like the cruise from the bad place, okay? It was like one bad thing after another happens to Paul. They, they set sail. Paul says, hey, we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do this. I think if we do this, everyone's going to die. But they don't listen to Paul. He's a prisoner. And so they put him on this boat in Acts 27. You can read the story. The, the first part of the story is in verses 1 through 20 of Acts chapter 27. What I want you to hear me say about this, though, is that it wasn't like a storm that came and went. It was... Day after day after day after day of not knowing what was next. Do you ever feel like that? 
Has the last year and a half, two years of your life felt like day after day after day? Oh, the next thing happens. The next bad thing happens. The next bad thing happens. And you know what happens? The longer a storm lasts, the more the voices of the crowd are unreliable. Have you experienced this? I mean, do you watch the news? Do you, do you, I mean, all of us have our go-to. I don't watch the news because ESPN makes me happier. Because sports scores usually don't make me want to kill somebody else. Whereas listening to other people's opinions about everything else in the world can be maddening, right? The longer you put people under pressure of a storm, the more likely they are to, to collect in groups and start figuring out who agrees with them and their opinions become politically correct. Am I making this up? I mean, this still happens today. We are living, breathing proof of it. Our country is deeply divided. I believe because of isolation and public opinion. And the more that we let those voices be the loudest voice in the room, the less likely we are to do what God wants us to do. See, on this trip, the longer the storm went, the majority of the people... Look, in verse 9, it says, Since much time had passed, the voyage was now dangerous. And so they started asking, should we go on? Should we stop? Verse 11, the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And then the majority, verse 12, the majority decided to put out from sea from there. Guys, the majority is not a good idea. I mean, if you want democracy, I understand. When it comes to God, it's not democracy. It's theocracy. It's what God says matters more than what you and I think. Francis Chan had a quote in his book, Until Unity, just about the fact that sometimes we let our logic become more important to us than God's commands. And that's what happens, that's what happens when we start listening to the majority. See, there needs to be a voice in the room that's not listening to everybody else, but it's listening to God. I'm not saying that that Brock's that voice or I'm that voice. But guys, someone who's walking in the Spirit doesn't have to be... See, I believe in the priesthood of every believer. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, then then God can speak through you. But are we going to listen to people when they speak from that place? Are we just going to listen to the people who are fearful, who've been under pressure of the storm for so long that they think, well, everybody else is thinking this. I guess I should do that too. That's my fear, is that the length of the storm takes a toll on us. And we've all been in a really long one. (laughs) I mean, not to mention your personal storms, but collectively what the world has been through. Guys, we need... We need to ground ourselves in what God says. How does God want us to proceed? Not what the majority says. See, my question is, what voice do we choose to listen to in the storm?
in the latter part of Acts chapter 27. And I'm going I'm to take a chance that I can pronounce these words. Because I think all the, all the really hard words were in the beginning. But starting in verses 21 through 38, this is what Acts 27 says. This is after like 14 days of just being beaten by the wind. Boat after boat, people thinking all hope had been lost. Chapter 27, verse 20 said, at, at, at some point, all hope of being saved was gone. Okay, so this is where this picks up. Verse 21. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. See, that's me right there. That's the I told you so part of me. Like, if I'm going to start telling you something, if, like if you've made a mistake, I'm going to start with, okay, I told you so. Okay. Paul did that, so it's not just me. And then he gets on to the important thing. Okay? Verse 22, Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship, and he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So, so take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I've told you. But we must run aground on some island. Paul had a word from God. The loudest voice in Paul's room was the voice of God. And he stood before these people and he said, I, I know what all of you are thinking that we have no hope. God says, we're not going to lose anyone. Believe me. And they believed him. There were 276 people on that boat. Not one of them was lost. Some of them tried to escape. Like some of them tried to lower a lifeboat down and escape. And Paul said, hey, if any of those soldiers leave that boat, all of you are going to die. It's like, you're all in this together, just like High School Musical. All of you, nobody gets, we all go through this together or nobody goes through it. Guys, it's kind of like that with the church. That's what we're talking about with this unity thing. I'm so tired of people jumping ship because they, they, they get tied up in some lesser thing. Guys, love each other enough to bear with one another all the way to the end, realizing that every promise God made is true. We will all make it home. Every one of us. That's the promise of God. But what voice do you choose to listen to in the storm? What's the loudest voice in the room for you? Is it public opinion? It's probably Anthony, actually. See, I looked over at Anthony, and Anthony was thinking, I'm the loudest voice in the room. He was already chuckling to himself. What's the loudest voice? Is it social media? Is it a political agenda? Is it anything other than, hey, love people like I love you. Just love people the way I love you. That's the way the world's going to know you're mine. Guys, that's our charge, even in a storm. See, the severity of the storm makes you realize you can't do it by yourself. The longevity of the storm puts pressure on you and makes you want to cater 
to whatever the crowd's saying. It's a battle of faith. What's the loudest voice? Is there going to be a godly voice in your life that you're willing to listen to? It might go against everything the world's saying. Doesn't mean it's not true. Seek the Spirit. Make decisions based on things that align with what you know to be true of God. Not the fear of the storm. Pray with me. Father, I pray that somehow, some way, you would make sense of my words in this place. That your word would be the only word heard. I pray for some people that are going through tough times. I know, I know there's some people in this room right now that are facing insurmountable kind of things. Storms that seem like they're never going to end. I pray that your voice would be the loudest voice they hear. I pray that whatever the majority says, whatever the crowd says, tries to convince them to be fearful that they would just hold on to you. We're better together than we are apart. And we need each other in times like this. So I pray that you would bind the church together. I pray for unity in a way that we've never experienced it. And I trust you to give it. Receive our worship now. As we just kind of lay our bodies on the altar as living sacrifices. Because that's what worship really is. It's not about singing. It's not about talking. It's about laying ourselves down. Laying our will down and picking up yours. Let us do it better today than we did it yesterday. Let us do it better tomorrow than we did it today. God, draw us to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.